Welcome to Sufficiently Black, the podcast that explores what it means to be comfortable in your blackness. I'm one of your hosts, Kia, and I'm here with... I'm here with... You're on mute, ho! Oh my god, <laughs> how long have we been doing this for? <laughs> Janae. I'm for sorry. <laughs> I forget that my it's based off a segment. Well, you're also here with Janae. Oh God. Well, do you want? Yeah. <laughs> you're here with Kia, Mari, and Janae. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Some and- things never change. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I mean, this podcast is free. Social media is free. Give us a follow, a like, a share. Tell someone about this podcast. You know, do all the free things. Uh, we're on Instagram. And Twitter sufficiently be okay. We got a Discord. Um, talk to us there. You know what I'm saying? Okay, guys, what's new? Life is a hot mess, but I'm living her the best I can. You know, I'm just wow. here. <laughs> That's that sounded really positive. Like that, you looked really positive doing it, even though it sounded like. Not positive. like I was in pain. Yeah, yeah. That's how you. That's how you make it through the day. Like if it's like if I smile enough, maybe my heart will feel it too. You that's know? no, but that's real shit though. I feel like <laughs> my life is always an emotional roller coaster and not because anything specific is happening. Just because my emotions really go up and down and like today for example, today I've been high energy. I've been like do 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 do. I went to the gym and like pushed myself and like did squats and stuff. So I'm feeling pumped up. I put tons of weight on the hinge machine. I don't know the name of anything. I did RDLs. Like, I'm living. But come back to me next week. I might be a sad girl. I might be a sad girl. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, what are we doing for Halloween, though? You just mentioned Um, I'm going to be a sexy vampire. Really basic, but I'm excited for my costume because I bought, like, a cool corset thing. Janae, you don't even need to put sexy in front of it. You're just sexy. Wow, Amari. The sexy is implied. (laughs) Thanks. I hate you. (laughs) What about everyone else? What are you guys being? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to... I'm going to go because mine's going to be so bland and y'all be like, you ruined the vibe. So, um, Kia's will mine's be better than too. mine. We're going... Well, we're, I'm, we're going... I don't even know if we're going out for... She said we're uh, going. Sorry. <laughs> we're... Me and my mouth. No, because... We're because we did... No, okay, because... It, because we... <laughs> because... Sorry, sorry. Okay. I... For one of our major dates when I first met him, we accidentally went to a documentary on Halloween because we're lame and we both forgot it was Halloween. So this year we're going to see a doc on Halloween. How did you forget it was Halloween? I don't know. We literally got out of the movie and there was a parade in the West Village. And we're like, yeah, the shit. The Halloween parade. (laughs) We were like, what? Yeah, um, but if I do end up going to any festivities, I'll probably just be like Steve Jobs or um, the the Rock because I have a really nice black turtleneck and high waisted mm. jeans, and I can just naturally. I kind of want to go to the parade one year. It's I've never it been. Was, it was a time, even though I didn't know it was going to happen. I feel like no one wants to go to those type of things, though. I feel like if it, I t- asked, it takes a certain type of event. Honestly, yeah. I feel like all of those things in New York City are like. 
a shit show unless you're completely drunk and the stars line up right. Like, you will yeah. never catch me in, um, like, New Year's in Times Square. No, that no, that's where You'll I draw never the line. catch me that's at the Thanksgiving the parade. Girl, I'm, I'm not. I'm thinking about going to the Thanksgiving girl, parade no, this year. I'm not trying to get pickpocketed. No. I am not oh, trying no. to stand outside in the cold no, no, no. rain for hours. Bitch, no. To watch people exactly. lip sync. Bitch, no. I was thinking about going just to be like, oh, because, like, people all over the world look at that and, like, girl, we're so close to it. So I'm like, I want to experience girl, that. No. This is what I'm saying. I know no one, none of my friends want to go, and that's where I bring exactly. Jake. Exactly. If you go, wave to us. Wave to I us was on about TV. To say, you can <laughs> you can, can drag you. your designated road dog for that. Your boyfriend. Have fun. Have fun. He will. He will. He's the only one that I that has a lot of energy that would go to. Kia, say that. we so I can feel less bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> I might. I might switch up and say we. For the for those who don't know, we were talking about. People I was about who, to say we need to let everyone he, in on the joke. Yeah, we need to let the joke. But when you talk to a girl and you're just like, "Hey, are you coming?" and she's like, "We're coming." You're like, "We have to check this." It's just we 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 we. It's never I or like she can never do anything alone. So it was funny when Amari was just like, "We're doing this for Halloween." I got checked real quick, and now I'll always say I. No. <laughs> Some, sometimes it is acceptable to say we. Yeah, obviously. I think it's acceptable to say we. It's just not acceptable when but if, every yeah. time you're making plans, like your friend invites you to a party, and then you say, I don't know if what we're doing. It's like, girl, get yeah. your boyfriend's titty yeah. out your mouth. I, I'm also, yeah, I'm also territorial. So, like, if my friend invites me to a party, that's my yeah. invitation. Like... I'm coming. Do you want to come? Because I'm going. I feel that way too. Like unless it's really a huge group thing, it's like no, this is my thing. You can go to your thing. We could interact sometimes, but it doesn't need to be like. All and the time. I also feel like like you're you just said this basically, but when you're in a relationship, there should be like a your thing, my thing. We don't need to do everything together. I feel like that's a sign of a healthy relationship. Yeah. I also like missing someone too. Like yeah. I like when I don't see my boyfriend for four days, and I'm like, oh, I'm excited. But if I see him every day, I'm gonna be like, I still love you, but it's not gonna be the same excitement of like, I want to see you because I see you every day. You know what I'm saying? No, okay, maybe I should. Have I, mean, that out. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I think one thing that I've struggled with in being away is that I've gotten so used to like. Like, when I sleep, I think that's something I've been struggling uh, with. Oh, that is sad when he's with me for three days, and then I'm like, damn, I gotta go back to not having by myself. Here. Yeah. Yeah, no one to cuddle, no one who's warm. Um, but I like the but... buildup of seeing him. Like, I like when it's like, okay, we haven't seen each other. Now it's, like, super, super, super exciting. I have been reading a lot more things, though, recently about how, like, the key to, like, a gay relationship, like, whatever, um, is that your partner's actually, like, you're a really good friend. Oh, like your best friend. Yeah. I think when I think back on being in a relationship, that's like the thing that I miss the most about it is having that designated person to kiki with. Like having that yeah. person that like you guys go to something together, like you go to one of these parties together and there's all this drama and mess that happens under the current with your friends, but you told him about all the shit beforehand. So during the party, he was looking at you like, bitch, and you was looking at him like, bitch. <laughs> and then like afterward, you guys rehash, you kiki. Cause I feel like sometimes the best part about going out is the after kiki, the after talk about yeah, the mess. And when you have a partner, you have that designated person 
to kiki with and that's the one thing about being single that sometimes sucks where it's like it's not the one thing there are several things but it's not having that designated kiki partner i feel like it depends on the situation because i feel like I've been in a situation with you, Janae, where I'm where you've told me some stuff, and then I'm like, Ooh, Oh yeah, I'm a messy bitch. I'm a messy out. bitch, though. I'm messy. <laughs> I'm messy. <laughs> I'm like, wait. <laughs> I that is what I've noticed about my entire family is we are some messy bitches that live for fucking drama, man. We all we love the drama. We all talk mad shit. And as a family, I brought that up, and I was like, Guys, do you think we gossip too much? And they were like, No. That's we a, tell it like that's it what is. Does, though. That's yeah. a past. That's like a family past. It's time, so fun. Yeah. I feel like that's how y'all like. That's how people bond. I don't be in the mess, but I just be like drinking my yeah. wine, just sipping, just of listening course. to everything. Like ooh. hearing what your cousin from Downscoff did and da da da. All like, this stuff. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not a part of this. But yeah. like, I will listen yeah. to it all day. I feel like <laughs> that's part of being family. It's like you're always gonna have drama. Cheers to being a family unit that doesn't have any immediate drama though like cheers to that yeah not immediate yeah like we don't yeah. have any problems like, within our our like family unit but the family outside of us does that we can talk shit about yeah i i feel the same way yeah i love you family um i guess i should say my oh, home yeah. costume it's kind of basic oh yeah and i forgot that's where we started <laughs> I was trying to bring it full circle for this intro. Um, well, Friday, I'm having a kiki. Um, and I'm going to be, really, it's because I saw this top, like, six months ago. And I was like, I need that. But, like, where can I wear this? And then I was like, Halloween. So it was a really cute butterfly top, kind of skimpy. And I was like, I want it. So I'm going to do, like, a Y2K pop princess type of thing. And my boyfriend's going to be whatever the male equivalent is that it i'm figuring out his outfit justin and britney i don't know kind of something like that we're having like the furry bucket hats that's the only thing we'll have matching and then he'll get whatever outfit he wants um and then saturday we're going to philly with his friends and i am oh i got this outfit from fashion nova which is uh like space jam lola bunny and i guess bugs i don't know i thought it was really cute so I got that. And yeah. How fun. Halloween's a great time of year. I mean, I feel like I'm always like, it's always so expensive. Yeah. Where I'm like, damn, why is the costume... Really? Yeah. I just be using what's in my closet. I know, but if you really <laughs> want to celebrate... Like, one year I really want to, like, go all out. Like, I really want to, like, spend a lot on a costume and, like, go, like... No, that's what, co- what carnival's <laughs> Oh well, I'm not Caribbean, but I'll go. <laughs> Let's all go to yeah. Canada. They have a great one in Toronto. I want to go. I told my boyfriend to um, please take me to like some type of Puerto Rican event. He did not do it yet. I feel like that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Or Dominican. I don't know. He can pick one. <laughs> one or the other. Or one both. or the other. <laughs> I he still hasn't done either, but I would like to go to Carnival one year. I I mean they have it in New York, right? Yeah, they do. They do. One time, well, you just I gotta be strategic out. and build your build up to like the mecca is Trinidad, so like that's where you should go if like you. Oh, that's where you go for if you want to do okay. the real thing. That's like the biggest carnival. Like, well, I stick out though. Will people be like, "You're not Caribbean." Uh, I mean, if you, I mean, it depends. Is it obvious? Move, if, no, I feel like if you move your hips in a certain way, they 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 they'll they'll think you're cool. But if you don't have a 
if you if you're you can you can't talk, wine. <laughs> I can't do shit. That's why I'm not at carnival. I'll be watching people. But that's why like I want to have the confidence to wear one of the outfits and to the go outfit out is what you I could want. wear the outfit, yeah. Amari. You could for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, what do are you it. talking about? You would look great. Let's wear the out. Can we go? Can we go and wear Amari, the outfit? You look great. You have a banging bod. What? What? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. No, but I, I, it's on, it's on my bucket list. I would. We're like gonna to do take it. those like, glasses like off and leave the chunky sweaters at home. We're gonna yeah. do it. My uniform. <laughs> Okay. Wait, I, w- I would also would like to tag along. I'll be in the background. Yeah. Oh, yes. It'll be like, it. we, sh- we should definitely do it. I feel like it'd be, I'd, I'd go. I feel like it. it would be okay, so fun. I'm just really worried about the men. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Caribbean men are really aggressive. Caribbean are men and African <laughs> men, they act different. And it's so, uh, we're going on a tangent, but it's so bizarre the different pockets of the black community and how men can act sometimes because I feel like with African American men in the north, not in the south. In the north, I am unwanted. Babies in the corner. African men, <laughs> I it's am overwhelmed. Family. No, it's all colorism. It's all colorism. <laughs> this is not a good thing. This is not. This is not a brag. I just want to this make is it not aware. a humble brag. It has nothing to do with me, but this skin tone that I was plagued with. Plagued, plagued, plagued. plagued. I don't know. Plagued. Don't talk about your skin like that. It's still black. Yeah, and it's beautiful. black and beautiful. Whatever. But it's a, a cause for like a lot of strife yeah, because for sure, for sure. You're at a Caribbean party. Caribbean dudes gonna try to dagger you or dance with you and i am not equipped i am i can do some things but i can't do it all i was in i was in canada when i was like a teenager i think during carnival season and we went to a club (laughs) and the dancing that went on i was like yo my behind is not equipped it's not like buns of steels (laughs) back there we can't be like like on each it's intense it's intense you have to be ready it's a workout yeah i remember i well this actually segues into the interview because i was with bacola our guest and she was she uh went to school in the city so she would like always be around the city and she was like i would be like oh take me somewhere fun and she'd be like oh i want to go to webster hall but you can't because that's where all like the jamaican men are and they'll take you you're so tiny and then she (laughs) described it like it was like i was gonna get kidnapped so i never went and i was just like oh no (laughs) you will listen i was picked up and daggered this experience was actually like terrible it was very scarring and i've probably talked about it on this podcast before have i do you guys have i yeah. I don't oh, think, you said it to me. Okay. I, I don't think I don't think Let it's on me the set the scene. I'm gonna set the scene. I just transferred to Hofstra, so I'm basically a freshman, but I'm not a freshman. I was like a sophomore. Transferred to Hofstra, first time like being in the city. The city, it's on Long Island, but you know, whatever. We are at this local club, McKeebs or bar, and Megan Trainer's all about that base is on. And this basketball player, he's like 6'5 or 6'8, is like circling around me. And I'm like, I'm in college. This is love. This is where it happens. Finally, my tall king is here. He's circling around me, dancing around me. Finally, he comes up, starts dancing on me. And I'm like, this is this is love. This is when it happens. And then suddenly he picks me up and starts daggering me. Picks like picks me up, 
by my hips and just starts daggering me. And my feet are like dangling off the ground, absolutely dangling. And then I fall, I fell forward cause I was trying to elbow him. Um, but it didn't work because he had me picked up. It was a terrible experience. And then he just put me down and walked away. And that was my first time getting daggered. Yikes. Well, there'll be three of us for yeah. for the next we'll event. Create a, we will create a protective yeah. circle around one another. Yes. And no daggering without no consent. No daggering without yeah. consent, damn it. <laughs> None. Um, okay, well, I guess we should go into our sorry, I was just trying to segue <laughs> into there. <laughs> There's no there's way to no segue. Way to We're say. talking about there's tech. No way. There's Sorry. no way. Sorry. Yeah. Yes is yes. No is no. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay. <laughs> We're going to go into our interview with Pacola. We're talking about tech influencing black people, all the good stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Woody woo. Black people love the band Paramore. We're all aware of it. It's like an accepted truth. But it made me wonder, what other seemingly random things do large groups of Black people love? So in an effort to help Black people feel more seen through community, I compiled a list of other things groups of Black people overwhelmingly like and started my podcast called Black People Love Paramore. Every episode, I talk about one thing that groups of Black people like that mainstream media doesn't necessarily associate with Black people, but we know we like. Episode topics so far include anime, astrology, Tony Hawk, Ariana Grande, Twitter, Ginger Ale, Cash App, and a whole lot more. If that sounds like you, check it out. It's called Black People Love Paramore, and you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay, guys, we have one of my bestest friends on the podcast. I'm really excited about it. Her name is Pacola Ayadeli. You've probably heard of her. She's a New York City-based tech worker and content creator. She's worked in the tech industry for over five years three years as a software engineer at a fintech startup, and now she works as a developer advocate at Google. Bacola also creates content on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, where she has amassed 300K subscribers across all three platforms. She shares content on building a career in tech and personal finance. She creates videos providing a realistic experience about what it's like working in tech and helpful tips for those looking to build a career in tech. Nicola is also extremely passionate about personal finance education, so she creates content teaching her audience how to budget, save money, and invest. Nicola, welcome to Sufficiently Black. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited for this podcast. I think this is like the second podcast I've ever done, so this is going to be really cool. <laughs> but, but this one's better. Yay. Yes, yes, yes. And please remove anytime I say like. I'm going to like make sure not to say it, but please make me look <laughs> I will make sure you look good, even though I also love how you said she creates videos providing a realistic experience. I feel like that was low key shady. Yeah, no. Some I know. I don't know if you guys watch a lot of the day in the lives on TikTok. Sometimes it it can be a little unrealistic because people tend to focus on like the free food and all the perks. But I try to show like all aspects of working in tech, the good and the bad, on my channel. So I try to make it as realistic as possible. But I still think that like. You know, everyone is going to have their own different experiences in tech. Some people do have a more glamorous, chill tech job. You know, some people do have to work long hours, but I just share what's it what it's been like for me. So, yeah. Well, I think that's like good, especially since a lot of people's complaints about social media in general is that it's just not a accurate portrayal of people's lives and what it is. And it's like the highlight reel. So I think it's good that you show all sides of your work experience. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, I also understand, like, creators who only want to share the good side, because when you're vulnerable, you know, on on your in your content, people end up sometimes using that against you. Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand, like, you know, sometimes creators just want to show, like, the best parts and, you know, keep the private life private. But, you know, it would be great if we could just show all aspects of our lives. So, yeah. So what's a day in the life of Nicola? What's the real uh- version? <laughs> Honestly, it's not really that exciting. It, it's I'm just working from <laughs> home. Like, just drinking coffee, working from home, like looking at my like computer for like six plus hours because a lot of my job is like, you know, like writing code sometimes, but mostly like writing scripts, like discussing technical topics on blog posts, podcasts, video forums. So a lot of the time I'm scripting, sometimes I'm filming, not only for my day job, but also for like my content creation job too. So honestly, it's not that exciting. Like I usually am just home, but you know, I love it. I love just being at home. <laughs> what do you do after work in the weekends? I'm oh going to make God. you say something exciting. Honestly, I feel so like, I feel like I don't really have content creation is my main hobby. So when people ask me like, what are you doing outside of that? I'm like, honestly, really nothing. Like maybe it's like, <laughs> maybe it's playing Sudoku or like what, like, you know, playing games on my phone or hanging out with friends, um, maybe reading, but I don't have like any huge hobbies outside of content creation because content creation is so time consuming. Like to even create a YouTube video takes like so many hours, more hours than you'd even imagine. So you guys know this as people who like, you know, create podcasts and everything, you know how much of a commitment it can be. So for me, it's like content creation is my main hobby. I I 100% understand that. I make TikToks now (laughs) for work. And you think like today, uh, Friday is um, International Nacho Day. And um, me and Kia actually went like on a nacho crawl earlier this week. Um, And we decided originally it was going to be a review video, but then I told my coworkers like the nachos were not really good and I don't necessarily want to like shit on all of these nacho places. So we just ended up using a trending sound and video clips and I was like, okay, this will be easy. Then I found this sound that had like that was techno and had like specific beats and I was like, I've got to line the clips up with the beats three hours later. (laughs) <laughs> three <Yeah>. hours later <laughs> the editing it's a lot yeah even like it is it's a lot even like a short like you know tiktok video that can be like maybe one minute is still like a lot of like intention mm-hmm. scripting planning out and then editing which is for me always the longest yeah. part of the content creation process so yeah fortunately i don't have any hobbies <laughs> except for content creation um but, but let's go let's go back to your job in tech though like how did you get started in that Yeah, so my journey to tech has been like really interesting. And I've shared it a lot on my channel, um, just because like, that's what a lot of people, you know, subscribe to me for is to get advice on career stuff. So yeah, like I actually took my first computer science course in high school, kind of like my senior year, I was just like, Oh, let me just take this course, because I see a lot of my friends taking it. And whatever, I'll just take it. And it ended up being my favorite course in like all of high school. So in college, um, I was considering potentially majoring in computer science, but I was also thinking that, you know, the only path to have financial stability was doing, becoming a lawyer or becoming a doctor, because that's all I'd known. I didn't know any software engineers. I literally thought people who worked in tech just fixed computers. You know, a lot of people don't know what goes into having a tech job. So yeah, um, in college, I thought about doing computer science, ultimately decided to do pre-med, failed that. 
<laughs> I don't like science at all, decided to do pre-law. And then when I got my first job um, working out of college, which was a job that was with a lot of lawyers, it was compliance consulting, talking to those lawyers, they all they could keep saying was that they hated working a law. They were like, they had so much debt, they just felt like it wasn't as fulfilling as they thought it would be. And they wish they'd done something else. So then I had to like kind of think back on like, what were my interests, like do more research about different career paths. And then I found that maybe software engineering would be a good fit for me based on the couple of classes I took in undergrad and, you know, just hearing more about the tech industry and educating myself on the tech industry. And yeah, so I decided after that, you know what, I'm going to quit my job, which was really risky at the time because I'd had like nine months of experience. I didn't have that much money. But I took the risk, I quit my job, took my little savings, applied to this um, program called the Recurse Center, which is like a self, um, self, what do you call it, self-directed boot camp where you kind of teach yourself as much as possible. And from there, um, I did that for a little, I did that for like three months. Then I spent three months applying to jobs and then finally got a job, I think almost nine months after quitting my job. And now, like five years later, like taking that risk has been the best decision of my life. So yeah, I'm really excited to be working in the tech industry. I'm really glad that you pointed out that that wasn't necessarily what you studied in school, because I feel like people have this idea that if you didn't do it in undergrad, there's no um, way to get into it. And I remember I was at a company retreat with one of our engineers and he was like, I just taught myself this work like on the side when I had another job. And he was like, it was one of the smartest things I ever did. Um, Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's Wait, cool. Wait, Bacola, how many times did you change your major? Because I swear to God, every time I'm oh talking to Bacola in college, she's like, actually, I'm a sociology major. Actually, yeah. I'm a law major. Actually, I'm going to science. I'm like, what are you? What are you doing yeah. here? I know. Literally, it's just because, like, I just, I I had a problem where I, I liked a lot of different things. Like, a lot of different things were exciting to me. But I also wanted to think, think about, like, my like financial future, making sure I was financially stable because I didn't have my parents to fall back on, you know like once I graduated from school. So it was just really hard to decide when you're 18 years old to think about like, what can I study for the rest of my life? And I feel like a lot of the the things I was considering, like I, sh- I should have just done more research. But yeah, I switched like my major so many times. Like it wasn't until junior year when I only had a couple semesters left until graduating was I like, okay, I'm going to do political science. Like that's it. And that's because it had the lowest like amount of classes to take to get the major so yeah it was I was very confused also I want to hype up Bacola that she went to Columbia can I say this yeah if not I'll take it out but no no no, it's all good also (laughs) weren't you in the top 10 in high school no I wasn't I was like a little bit outside of that okay (laughs) anyway she's in the top 15 still a big deal still a big deal is all I'm gonna say yeah yeah we had a smart class like I feel like we had a lot of people who were like really like gutting to like do well in school and everything and really like ambitious so and we yeah. also had Halsey in our class so we did fun fact we have we a did. famous graduate we don't talk about her here <laughs> graduate with Halsey. I forgot about that sometimes I forget about that how do you forget that was like one of our first conversations when I met you <laughs> I, I did but then when I think about high school like she's not the first thing that comes to mind it's like people like like yeah. people I actually like spent a lot of time with and stuff yeah um, but but yeah also I feel like I need to talk about our high school experience a little bit because it relates to the Sufficiently Black podcast where we always talk about, like, our upbringing and stuff. And me and Bacola both grew up in the same town. But I feel like we bonded a lot in high school because it was, like, me and you or, like, there's only three 
black women in our class. I, I feel like three, me, you, and my sister, maybe. Yeah, in our whole grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we would, like, be in, in a history class just sitting across to each other, like, holy fuck. Because they would say, like, just wild shit. And they would, like, make us debate stupid shit. Like, is the Confederate flag racist? And Mia Bacola would just, yeah. everyone would be like, no, yes. it's not. Or, no, it's not. <laughs> and then Mia Bacola would just look at each other like, oh, my God, no one's going to debate the opposite side. And then we were in debate team together. We also had to debate affirmative action, which we lost because yeah. racism. But yeah, we had a we had a journey. Oh, yeah. and we took no. government together too. Yeah, yeah, that class was a lot of fun. But that was like going to like dealing with that like experience in high school was like one of the reasons I'm like I'm gonna work my ass off never to have to never to be here again because I just <laughs> hated I hated our town. It was the worst experience ever. I'm so glad we made it out. I know it was pretty rough. It was pretty mm-hmm. rough. But I just had to toot Bacola's horn that she went to an Thank IT. you. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking about black folks, uh, do you think that tech as a field black people should pursue? 100%. Like, it's it's really sad. But, like, I think blacks, uh, what do you call it? The amount of, like, black women software engineers is about, like, 1% which is crazy at a lot of these top tech companies. Um, so black people are like a huge, like they were so underrepresented in tech. And it's so sad because I feel like tech is the tech career can be a really lucrative career. So like one of the things I, I think reason why black people should pursue a career in tech is first of all, the financial aspect, you know, black people, we don't really have a lot of money in this country. I think I saw that our average wealth, um, as of 2022, it was like $14,000 for a Black family, which is like super low. It's it's really sad. And it's also decreasing every year. And of course, like, you know, we need systemic changes and different policy changes like reparations. But as individuals, we could also think about like, how can we make sure that we're going to be good financially? And one of the ways to be financially good is like choosing a career path that's known to be financially stable. So that's one reason why I think people should really consider a career in tech. Um, another reason too is just the impact of tech. We know like we all use social media. We see how social media can really impact politics. But a lot of these people writing the algorithms are white people. So they end up creating like these like algorithms that are so racist that really disenfranchise us that like push like they think about like the Cambridge Analytica situation where you have these white engineers that aren't thinking about like, oh, let's let's just monitor and make sure that we're not spreading all these false racist information and like radicalizing people. So, yeah, I think black people, if we, we could be involved in building these algorithms and being like at having a seat at the table to influence how these tech companies have policies, it can really impact society for the better. So I think the impact and the financial aspects are really important. And also, it's, I feel like having a tech career can be really fun. So <laughs> for some people, like they might really, you know, enjoy, you know, programming and they might not even know it. So, yeah. I yep. took <laughs> one coding class in grad school and the amount of times I broke down. Was, oh, really? And I think it's just because my brain does not like I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it. So I, I really feel the do, same way. Amari. I really admire people that can think that way because my brain is. I, I was like writing code and I'm like, I just want to like put a sentence here or something. I don't know what, oh, why really? is this represented? Like, I was like, why does this one thing mean this other thing? So yeah, I admire, I admire the, when people have that, that skill. What Me language too. were you like working with when you were in grad school? We were, uh, we were working in Python, I think. I don't know what, okay. what language it is, but the fact that I made it yeah, out of that class without failing is Wait, why'd you feat. take a, why'd you take a coding class? 
just because. Was it a prerequisite? Because I know at Hofstra it was. Yeah, it, it was like, and I almost failed. Yeah, we that all shit. had to. We all oh, had to really? do it. And it was like a part of like data, like journalism, yep. like that part of that that okay. path. Um, so like I understood the value in it, um, but even like the teacher who's a great um, person, but I like I understood just super smart, and I was like, my brain does not. I'm a, like a visual and like creative person I feel like I don't know if it's like what's it like the left side of your brain or the right side of your brain yeah they just it wasn't working for me the math wasn't math I feel the same way but Bacola do you think what are some jobs like say if Amari wants to go to tech what would you suggest her to go to because it's not all coding like there's some other things that like if we want to work at Google what would you suggest for someone who's like terrible at science and math yeah, no, there are so many like other roles in tech that and that's one of the biggest confusions. I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, but a lot of people think that you have to know how to code to get to make, you know, a good salary in tech, but that's not the case. There's so many roles, like there are design roles, there are business roles. So like, I know Amari, like you like a lot of maybe make a business role. I don't really know a lot about <laughs> your background, but I also know you do a lot of writing too. Am I, am I right? I feel like even a DevRel right. role, yeah, a DevRel role, like what I do, where you're writing blog posts, you're writing about technical topics, you're not coding, but you're translating a lot of technical jargon into things that people can understand, and that's easy to consume. So there's so many roles in tech. I think it's a really common confusion to think that you only have to code to get a tech job. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious about some of the cons of being a Black person in tech. Yeah, because we're, there's so many cons, honestly, <laughs> because like there, we're just such a small group. Uh, you, first of all, you just feel, tend to feel very lonely. Um, I've had like, I, I think Kia knows all my experiences. I'm not going to name any companies. She knows all my crazy experiences that I've had because, you know, you're the only one and a lot of people might not have a lot of exposure to working with other black women. So they'll say some things that are really crazy and you might not always get invited for like team bonding activities. So you tend to feel like very lonely and isolated working in this industry. And then of course you have imposter syndrome because you're different, you know, you tend to feel like, oh my God, maybe like, maybe I'm dumb because a lot of people, oh my gosh, one of the things that really irks me is whenever I post content about working in tech, people always say, oh, you're a diversity hire, you're a diversity hire without knowing any information about my background. Um, and that's like, and that adds to your imposter syndrome. Cause if everyone's telling you like, oh, you don't know anything, you tend to believe that, oh, I don't know anything, you know? So that's another thing. Of course, like racism and sexism is rampant in the tech industry. Like there've been so many cases of like these tech companies paying women way less than they pay men. Um, I, I know that certain companies have had to like pay out people because they were found to pay women less. Of course, like sexual assaults. I don't know if I can, can I say that word? Okay, I don't know if I can, like, can't say it in certain words. Yeah, sexual assault has happened to a lot of people, a lot of women in this industry because it's mostly, like, male-dominated. So there are a lot of cons to consider before entering this industry. But what I will say is, like, any industry that's male-dominated and you can make a lot of money is going to have a lot of these cons, you know? Like, think about law and, and, you know, medicine. It's also going to have huge cons that you have to consider. I don't think it should be the, it should totally remove you from considering a career in tech, but it's something you have to consider, you know, before entering. Yeah, I can totally agree with that because actually 
I'm not sure if media is male dominated. I know it used to be, but nowadays I feel like I look around newsrooms I've been a part of and they're very female dominated. I don't know the numbers on it, but a lot of the same issues that you mentioned, I know all of us in our career have run up against. I mean, even when Kia and I worked at Vice, we got paid because Vice had a settlement because they weren't paying um, their female employees as much as they were paying their male employees. So we all ended up with a few thousand extra dollars one year, you know? Um, So a lot of the things that you're talking about, I feel like women have to go through in general. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no cure for that. And even, even if it is a female dominated industry, like I feel like PR is, but even that working in PR, there was still like a lot of men were at the top and so yes it's female dominated but they're at the bottom so you're still dealing with yeah, like you that's... know that's shit at the top so i will say that um but... yeah and and what's so crazy is that like with uh software engineering like programming specifically it was a female dominated industry like in the i think was it the 50s like during or even like earlier than that during world war ii mostly women were up uh, doing the programming and software was seen as more of like the feminine career. But then it's just like a more recent change in the 70s, 80s and 90s where it's becoming more male dominated. And it's crazy because I think I saw like a statistic that like even right now, like majors like physics and math have like 50-50 women and men, but computer science still has like a very low female um, or women um, graduates. So I'll double check that stats before you guys put it in the thing. But I think it's just so interesting why, like, I don't know, this is just a crazy, re- like, change, you know. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. it's funny because I was actually talking to um, a co-worker because we were just talking about how, how uh, women approach applying for jobs versus men. And it's like yeah. if a woman sees that they don't have like one of the like qualities in a job description she won't apply and a man will a man will apply even if he has like none of it yeah yeah so i think it's just like the whole like we take ourselves out of the equation before like we even give ourselves the opportunity yes you gotta think like a white it's the same thing if a white man would do it it's the same thing with asking for Mm -hmm. raises and promotions i had this conversation with my father recently um, asking for a promotion at work. And he was basically like, I, I was like, I'm going to ask for 10 K more. And my dad was like, you should ask for 30 or 40 more. And I was like, wow. what? <laughs> and he was like, he was like, <laughs> yeah. well, what are they going to do? Like the worst they're going to do is say no. But what if they say, yeah. yeah. Or what if they are like, we can't give you, you know, 40 more, but we can give you 15 more or 20 more. That's already way more than your 10 more that you were asking for. So why not? I just I just yeah. think a note on patriarchy that the way the world is set up has really um, emboldened men in good ways and bad ways. It's really 100%. made men feel like, oh, the world's made for me so I can do whatever I want. Right. Whereas women, it's made us a lot smaller and quieter. Um, sorry, I went deep for absolutely no reason. <laughs> No, no, but you're right. Good. You're right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But Cola, okay, last question before we can go to influencing, unless you guys have another tech question. Okay, I just wanted to know. We do have we do have listener questions about tech. Okay, okay. I'll get to those too. Um, I want to know what's, what's your favorite thing about working in tech, and I want to know what's the craziest story you have working in tech. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so the best thing is definitely like the work life work life balance, like the ability to work from home, making a good income is always like amazing. Um, so that's the like just the lifestyle I feel like is one of my favorite things about like working in tech. Um and also uh like there are just so many there are so many companies working on interesting problems that you can kind of jump jump into. So that's those are the things I like. What's the craziest story? Oh my god. I don't know. The craziest story. <laughs> like something bad or something good. I don't Give know. Give me something juicy. Let's go well, with that. I, I want the juicy. I've heard story. a little bit about like, okay, so this is morbid. This is morbid, but I like to get deep. I like <laughs> to get morbid. I've heard that like people were like a little suicidal a few years ago at Google. Like yeah, hey, I've heard that, that like the I've heard that the work life balance at Google years ago, like this is probably when I first yeah. started at Vice, like was not good. Mm-hmm. The girls were feeling a little suicidal and there have been moments wow. at Google. That's what I've heard. But yeah, yeah, I can't I, I've had good work life balance, but I do know some teams. It really depends on your team. Like I know some t- software engineers might be on call, so they might have buzzers going off at like 4 a.m. Uh, on different teams and like some teams like they have very like hard harsh deadlines and you have to get a lot done so that might lead to late nights but for me I've had really good work-life balance but that's scary I did not know about that (laughs) that's so sad yeah I'm trying to think of the craziest thing Um, or the craziest thing a coworker said you don't have to say the coworker of the company oh um I guess a coworker one coworker was like oh what questions did you get asked during the interview trying to like imply that you know, I got asked easier questions or I wasn't like, you know, cut out <laughs> to what was your response be a software to that? engineer. I was just, I, I, I always takes me a little bit longer to understand when someone's being shady, but I was just, I didn't answer. I'm like, oh, I just got the questions everyone else got. Like I just didn't, I didn't peep the shade until several hours later, unfortunately. <laughs> you on the like, train ride home? Yeah. I was like, damn, they really said something shitty. Um, another coworker, sometime, another time a coworker, we were all like hanging out like at an after work event. And one coworker was like, oh, you know, it's hard for a black woman to date like saying it in like a like in a very mean way. I think I told you about that, Kia. Probably yeah. the way he said it was just like just felt racist, you know. So yeah, there have just been some weird, awkward moments, but there have also been some like cool moments where like the first company I was at, they like got acquired. So like, I mean, I I didn't affect my life significantly, but some some of my coworkers ended up being multimillionaires just from an acquisition. So I thought that was a really cool moment. You could see like the impact of just like. Um, entrepreneurship I know it's obviously more accessible to white men but just how like you can build you can have an idea a five-year-old company can get acquired for like 500 million dollars was like crazy and so many people's lives could be changed and all the a lot of those people who became multimillionaires ended up like creating their own company are creating their own companies right now so the like the financial like um what do you call it impacts of working in tech can be really crazy so I think that was a crazy moment for me Amari, do you want to do some social questions? So we had um, a few repeat questions on Instagram for you. So people are really into these two main ones. I broke them down. So um, one is, how do I get to where you are? And was it worth the money if you had to like, like you were talking about like investing in these programs or stuff. Do you feel it? I mean, you kind of said it. Yeah. Um, But do you feel like it was worth it? Yeah, I would totally... (laughs) Like, I would totally even invest more than I did initially. 
um, I would have gotten like a CS degree because I do think it's like one of the few majors that can really give you a good return depending on the location you're in. Because I know there's actually a lot of pay discrepancy between like New York, SF and other cities around the around the US for paying uh, the pay for software engineers. But yeah, I've, I definitely feel like the amount I put in, I got even way more out of it. Yeah. Hopefully that's encouraging for for that follower. And then another one was, what's your most important piece of advice for someone just starting and breaking into the industry? Yeah, I think one mistake I made was I was trying to do things very quickly because I had a very like tight deadline with how much money I had. Um, I would have taken my time. Like, don't sleep on like, if you already have a, a degree, don't sleep on going back to school to get like your master's, which can take like one to two years for computer science or doing a post-bac degree. Um, definitely don't sleep on, you know, going back to school um, because I feel like there are great schools that are on the cheaper end that can help you with help you gain the knowledge that you need to have a successful career in tech. Also, don't um, the really cool thing about tech too is that there are a lot of apprenticeships where they they'll take people who don't have degrees and they'll train them um, and then give them six figure jobs after they graduate from these apprenticeships. And these apprenticeships are also paid too. So. I think that can also be a cool thing to check out when you're deciding to, you know, transition into a career in tech. That's a good point. And I also feel like a lot of things I realized when I went back to school was like how many grants and like opportunities there are for funding that like people don't tell you about. And unfortunately, you just have to kind of mind the Internet. But there is money out there for people to go back and get their education in certain areas. Um, Okay. yes. Let's go on to influencing um, okay, Pakula, please tell us about your influencer journey and how did you get as popular as popular as you are today? Yeah, I think the way I, I gained a lot of my um like subscribers and people who follow me and support me is just through like a combination of good luck and choosing the right niche. When I was like starting content creation, I actually only wanted to do personal finance videos, and that's still like a huge, like, I really like personal finance and, and learning about it and talking about it. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. But I noticed that people kept on asking me questions about, you know, uh, being a software engineer and, and working in tech. So I decided to also pivot into that. Um, but doing the personal finance videos actually helped me get on this thing called CNBC Millennial Money, which is what actually helped me a lot with my um, content creation journey. Uh, by them platforming me, I gained like 100000 uh, subscribers on YouTube, which really changed like my whole entire content creation journey. So just getting put onto their platform really like helped me a lot. <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't seen the video, it's pretty badass. Also, yeah, I make a few appearances. So yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> in the background, but yeah, no, that's so cool. And then you, but you also how you got on that was you basically made the video yourself, and then the producers exactly. found you. Um, yeah. and then made it exactly like I'm obsessed with that series I've watched like every single episode like if they ever want to hire me I'll I won't quit my job but I'll go and help them even like like create more content because I think it's such a great series um, so yeah I created like a mini millennial money on, on my channel talking about like you know no oh, this is what I spend in a month or like this is how I manage my money they, they saw that video and they were like okay we feel like you'd actually be good for this series and then they put me on the series and it really changed like my content creation journey 
sorry, this is for my own personal benefit because, like, I was watching the news today. I'm like, damn, I really need to, like, rework my budgeting. Uh, if you had to, like, give someone, and I pro- I'll i go back and comb through all of your, <laughs> your stuff, but, like, if there was, like, one, like, book or, like, piece of reading that you would, like, advise someone to start, like, do you have one off the top of your head? Yeah, so there's a book by Ramit Sethi. The um, title is kind of, like, a little like a little weird, but it's called, like, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. But he actually gives a lot of great advice about how to manage your finances. And, like, that's one of my favorite personal finance books of all time in terms of it teaches you step-by-step how to, like, get your financial shit together. So I really, really love that God. book. Um, there's also a book by Bajanista. Bajanista, I feel like. I'm, I don't hope I I'm saying her. her. Yeah, Wait, that's awesome. a black woman, right? Yes. She's from yes. New Jersey. Yeah, We're also connected awesome. on LinkedIn. Yeah, she's yeah, great. I I love her like the way she talks about like shame and money and like everything. She's amazing, and she was actually featured on a recent Netflix show about like managing personal finances. I don't know if you guys seen have seen it. Oh, I haven't seen but, that. Still, yeah, those are the two books. That's that I great. I need Thank to you. read those because I've been struggling with just managing my finances, and I just feel like it's not a conversation in Black households. I know it wasn't a conversation in mine, and it's nobody's fault. I just feel like Black people were not taught to manage money, and I feel like a lot in a lot of Black households, it's just kind of like you're surviving, you know, like you do what you need to do to survive. You worry about the rest of it later. And I would love to be in a place where I'm like, I know where everything is going and why it's going there and where things should be. But it feels so overwhelming. Like it feels very, very overwhelming. And like, how do you get to a good place? So I will be, I will be looking at this stuff. Yeah, it is. It is really sad. Like I know my parents, like they never really talked to me about money other than like, oh, you have Mm -hmm. to save. But like, had like where do I put the money that I saved? Why should I save? Like how yeah. much should I save? So those books really did help me. And how did I think, you like, get into personal finance then if you didn't have like that upbringing? Yeah, so actually it it is really linked to my journey in tech because when I wanted to like when I it was several months before I actually quit my job that I knew I wanted to quit my job, if that makes any sense. Like and I but I couldn't quit my job because I just had no money saved up. And it's not like I was earning like not a lot of money. I had enough money from my day job, but I just wasn't really being careful with how I was spending my money. So I had to like look up how do you save money? Like I had to do like basic search about like how do you save money? Because I realized the consequences of not having a adequate enough nest egg when you wanted to take on career risks. So that's kind of like how I started getting into personal finance. And I found a lot of people on YouTube like uh, Graham Stevens, I don't know if you watch any of his content, um, and a lot of other um, content creators around personal finance. And because they were making such good content, I was learning from it. And I was reading all these books. I got like really into it. And I'm like, oh, I want to contribute a different voice because a lot of the voices I was seeing in the space were all white men. And the way they talk about money is so different from how like Black women are thinking about money. They're not thinking about like, oh, spending money on your hair or like other aspects of personal finance, you know? So I wanted to just like add it. That is the truest shit that I've ever heard in my entire life. Because people are like, you've got to save money. You've got to save money. But I'm like, okay, it's 90 degrees. And either I'm going to walk outside and drip sweat or I'm going to spend $200 on getting this hair braided. So. Exactly. Exactly. They never think about stuff like that. And a lot of the the ways that people talk about money is kind of like a little misogynistic. Like, oh, the coffee 
you know what I mean? All these like things that like aren't necessarily going to break the budget. Like they, I just feel like there's just also a lot of misogyny, misogyny on how people talk about money too. Um, so yeah. And also believe it or not, women are like, I heard, saw this stat that like women in a lot of major cities are now earning more than men. So like, I feel like women are going to become like a bigger and important voice in personal finance, you know? Yeah. So. That's really cool. <laughs> um, something else I wanted to know is how do you manage being, you know, having this huge YouTube channel and having a full-time job? Like, I know that that has to be exhausting. So how do you manage it? Yeah. No, it is really exhausting. Like, in the beginning of doing all these videos, I was, like, scripting, editing, like, doing all aspects of the creation process by myself, um, responding to emails, too, with any, like, inbound requests by myself. But what's really helped me like manage everything is I I have um, a personal assistant who helps me manage all of my inbound inbox. I have a manager who helps me like negotiate deals. I love this for you. Yeah. I also have an editor who helps me edit my videos because I can't do everything by myself. So I try to like outsource as much as possible. Homegirl has a team. They really help me do it. Yeah, a small team (laughs) that helps me a lot because there's, I would have given up on YouTube like years ago if I didn't have people to help me out yeah how does one even go about building a team do you just get so big where people are like I want to be on your team or were you like I need to go actually find people to help me with this yeah I just like had to reach out to people like originally like my boyfriend was like my manager who would like try to negotiate the deals that came in but um did you I had fire to, like, him find- uh, we, we got someone else. He was a great manager, but it's crazy. That's another thing I was going to talk about too, like the disparities as a black influencer and knowing like how much you get paid. Like you don't really know because no one really talks about it publicly. Like at least in software engineering, we have so many websites like outside of Glassdoor where people will write their like full compensation. And, and even internally at Google, people share their compensation so you know, you have an idea of what you should make if you're at a certain level in a certain role. But as a content creator, there's no like pay transparency. So I remember like some of my first deals, like I was like had to fight for like so little money. And now with my manager, I feel like I'm getting paid more than I thought I could get paid. So yeah, un- I, unfortunately we had to let Andrew go, but <laughs> it's, it's, Andrew was amazing. Um, oh, and so my nice. manager is awesome. <laughs> I'm just starting shit. That's really funny. <laughs> I feel like there is always, like, a point where... I shouldn't say always, but, like, for some people, it's, like, something happens where you realize, like, oh, wait, I could have been making this, like, the yeah. whole time. I just didn't know it was available to me. Like, I remember yeah. the first time I got a freelance gig that was over $1,000. I was like, oh, people are writing articles for, like, over $1,000. I just didn't oh. know. And I think that changes it when you realize that you can ask for what you deserve and more. Amen to that. Exactly. You you talking yeah. about like not as a, a content creator, not getting what you basically deserve reminded me of um, Jackie Ina, an influencer, a makeup influencer, YouTuber. And I love her. And she made a video talking about how as a black creator, things just aren't set up for you and how like a lot of times a video that you make will not get as many views as a video a white creator makes. And there's literally nothing that you can do about it. I think this was in her video talking about why she stepped back from YouTube for a while. 
Um, and I feel like a lot of creators in the past, since the pandemic, really, and since the rise of TikTok, have stepped back from YouTube because mm. I just feel like the land. That's like Bacola's favorite YouTuber. I love Jackie Ina too. I really love her. Yeah, she's so... No, and it goes back to what I was saying about why we need more Black people in tech is because of the algorithms, like, are biased too. Just, like, the way everything is structured is against Black creators. Like, Like, I think about at least a lot of the content on TikTok is about showing how much wealth you have. You know, Black people don't usually have that wealth. And then you add on top the algorithm that... Like you said, if black black creators even create is the first person to create it, it's the white person's recreation or copy of it is what goes viral. And you know, it's just like all these things are are set up against us. I saw this girl, um, I think her name is like Nim Nimle. She was talking about how she never gets any PR packages. Like I've never gotten PR package. So like it's just crazy. Like uh, you, I would think like you know, I have like you know a good a good following. Like at least send me something free. <laughs> Yeah, you no one's sending me anything. That's insane. No one sends, no one sends that's, me anything. That's crazy. Yeah, even now with a manager, I had to like fight with her. I'm like, oh, can I get like this pan? <laughs> and I'll do a free video. Like, Damn, <laughs> and I couldn't even crazy. get the pan. So like another reason, like I love content creation. I also love working in tech. It would be cool to do content creation for a little bit, but I also kind of can't because like my tech job is what provides the financial stability, even with like a huge follower account. Um, yeah, so that's like there's so many disparities that you deal with as a black content creator. It's really crazy. I can go I can go into it if you guys want all the tea. <laughs> yes. Do you like so besides your manager, do you talk to like the white content creators to be like, how much are you getting paid? Or do you like ban with the black ones? Or like how do you like yeah. go about that? So I, I have been trying to like be like network a lot with other creators. So I I've been talking to mostly black creators to see how much they're getting paid. I'm part of like different discord groups where people share like how much they're getting paid too. There's this one for tech influencers where we kind of talk about, okay, this person sponsored me, how much they pay you. And then by, because of what someone says, we'll all negotiate like, you know, a little higher, you know? So those are the groups that really help me. And even it's cool because in the personal finance community, they're so much more open about how much they're getting paid. Um, You know, I don't know if you bought, if you go on like Graham Stevens page, for example, he talks about like how he, brings in like $6 million from content creation every year. Um, So like, it's just like having people share online how much they're making is really helpful. And also these like groups and also networking with other people and saying, okay, this person paid me this, how much did they pay you? And then you share those numbers and you figure out how much you should get, you should get, you should um, get. But when I was starting off without doing all that networking, I would just be like consistently increasing the, the amount every single time. Until, like, even if it sounded ridiculous, I would just double it all the time until they were like, okay, I can, we can't do this. So that's how I found my rate. And it's crazy, even with that, like, aggressive doubling, my manager now is able to actually, like, give me, like, what is a fair rate and better deals. So I'm curious, yeah. is your manager white? Uh, my manager is actually really? Asian. Okay. Yeah. So she's really they awesome. get paid the most. That's smart. <laughs> oh, really? I yes, know. white women get paid the most. Asian women? Or Asian women. No, no, Asian, Asian women. women. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yes. That's so interesting. I did not know that. And influencing too? Wow. Probably. I think in everything. Yeah, it, That's amazing. I know in I general, know like, Asian women are, like, number one and white women are too, so. That's awesome. Yeah. No, like, she's awesome. She's really helped me, like, understand how 
deals are constructed because it's not just about like your subscribers it's also like about you there's so many aspects like usage rights and like all these different things that allow you to monetize but even with like sponsorships like as a creator I also like kind of like I'm interested in like the business side of content creation and how people monetize that's why when you were talking about media companies having a hard time monetizing was really interesting to me because I see like content creators as like kind of mini media companies um but yeah so like it's just even with sponsorships like you can do well with brand deals but it's not enough like you have to start thinking about like jack like jackie and i you have to create your candle collection and you have to create businesses on top of like your audience and different things like that so it's, yeah it's really interesting the business side of content creation i'm also glad you brought up usage rights and like because we had an episode about um oh my goodness um ip law thank you ip law and like oh, the, the, the fact that's, that one out yeah, it was so informative. I mean, it was, like, very, like, academic, but so informative yeah. that, like, a lot of people don't realize that they're giving up a lot of money by handing over, not even handing over, just, like, signing away um, their rights to certain things and their their images ends up being used or, like, their um, art ends up being used for, like, mm-hmm. however many years and they get nothing out of it. So I feel like that usage rate part is important. I feel like yeah. that was big in media companies, too, because that's, like... I mean, at least in podcasting, too, because, like, when people, like, call call your daddy and stuff, like, they would have a podcast, but they didn't have the rights to it. And so it was hard to, like, move, like, and I feel like that's, like, why those girls got into the fight or whatever. But that's, like, a big thing. Like, people just think, like, oh, money, like, I post this, you get this. But, like, no, they can use, like, your name, your image, you know, NIL laws, like, kind of like college sports. But um, that's yeah. super important to think about, too. Yeah, that's why it kills me when I see, like, on TikTok, um, certain creators talk about, like, that they gave, like, a, a brand, like, right, basically rights to their image. And I see the, those images getting reposted for such a small amount because it's like, wow, they're really exploiting you. They're using you to drive so much sales and you're not getting anything from that. You know so what's funny? It's really You know sad. what's funny? I actually did some shit like that. And I think back on it and I'm like, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. Really? I, oh, oh, last no. year... It's two not dumb. Ago. You wouldn't yeah, know. Yeah, I, did, I didn't think about it that way at the time. Two years ago, 2020, I did a shoot for Refinery29 um, and for stock photos. And at the time, I was so excited about it. I was like, this is so cool. And I, I still think it was pretty cool. But then earlier this year, they used one of my pictures for a article and someone, a random person, a random Instagram follower sent it to me and was like, is this you? And then like after that, it was a domino effect of like 30 people sending me this article like, is this you? I wasn't sure if this is you. It looks like you. And I was like, damn, they're going to be using my pictures as a, a random black girl sitting in a cafe for however <laughs> long to come. And I just got paid a flat as rate one time. As long as they don't time. use you as like. Yeah, as <laughs> But as long as they don't use your image for, like, something bad. No, I don't think like, it's ever going to be, like, herpes. I think it's always yeah. going to be, like, <laughs> are you happy being single? And it's me sitting there, like, talking to a friend. Damn, like, that's kind of fucked well, up. <laughs> it's just you not being able to get paid every time that photo exactly. gets used. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I was thinking, like, Candace Owens or something <laughs> crazy. Oh, like, God. <laughs> well, I doubt Refinery would write that. It's Refinery 29. I don't so. know. I don't know. People are weird. Yeah. Like, the black people voting for Trump. I don't know. Something weird like that. But we did have a question on Twitter. Um, and someone said, in the beginning, did you feel silly and a little narcissistic making videos? 
Yeah, no, it's still like, sometimes it's still very unnatural to like sit in front of the camera and like, you know, talk to the camera. It, it still feels like very narcissistic and like awkward, but I also do it because I like know what the higher level goals are. And I also like all the benefits that come with like creating content. So in the beginning, it, it's, it, it is like awkward and it stays awkward for several years, but eventually you, you do really fall in love with, you know, the process and everything. What do you hope to gain from influencing? Um, so the, I, yeah, this is a hard question because for me, it's always been a fun side hustle. It would be cool to do it full time, but it's just like, I saw this video recently where it's like, it's not just like content creators are media companies. They have to really think about the business side too. And for me, I really haven't thought about like the business side as much. Um, so I don't know what I hope to gain from influencing. I just really enjoy making content, enjoy connecting with people and helping people out in their tech journeys and in their personal finance journeys. So it's just mostly because of like, you know, the, the self, like the love for content creation. That's uh, what I've been gaining. So. And you generally enjoy like, like thinking about like what video and like, like, I feel like I get Mm -hmm. so much anxiety worrying about like how much likes this got or how many views this got or like shooting the video. I'm like, I actually hate this shit. I just like, you know, the other side of the money side, but. Yeah, like I like the money side, but it is interesting to think about what goes viral and like how do you like get a lot of people's attention through like the way you tell your story or the way you edit your video. Like that's I'm always really interested in like the retention of how long people watch a video for and why they watch a video for. And like also with TikTok, it's interesting because you get like a faster feedback. So like sometimes I'll like play with how like I structure sentences and like how I structure what I say to see what gets a lot of, you know, views. So that's actually really interesting to think about how you can really like get people's attention and keep it for a while. And long this time is why I will never really be a YouTuber. This is exactly why I because I just <laughs> I cannot do it. I just don't. I really me and my best friend Sarah talk about this all the time how we don't get how people can be so passionate about like things like that. I I just like I don't care enough. And really? I think that it is so, and I'm not saying yeah. this is like, I don't care. No, I'm saying it like that is no. so admirable that you're like, let me play with this sentence to see if I structure mm-hmm. it in a different way. Will people pay attention more? You know, that's yeah. so admirable and but, cool. Yeah, but I do think attention is like one of the most important things like mm-hmm. right now. Like being able to have like a monopoly on people's attention. Think about like Andrew Tate. I hate to say his name. I don't know if you guys know him. Yeah, like he has he has all these young boys. Like he has the attention of all these young boys. In a way, he's kind of molding them from a young age. Like think about who they'll become because they have this influence of Andrew Tate. So I think like, yeah, sometimes it is like those small things are strange, but attention is so powerful. And being able to capture people, pe- being able to capture people's attention for even a long period of time is like is insane and we'll only be seeing the impacts of like these influencers in the coming years very right i'm i'm just curious to see i hope andrew tate goes away oh (laughs) but i feel like he's he banned on instagram um i thought he was banned on instagram and twitter yeah i thought so really yeah i do have a sorry i have a question about like because your medium is um video but you also have like you're talking about for work like you do writing and like scripts and I'm mm-hmm. curious if you've ever thought about because I've, I've looked at the trajectory of other people's careers too um in media just uh 
Elaine Welteroth is someone that I've always admired oh, and I she's thought so interesting. was interesting that she started in writing, but then kind of um, transitioned into video work and then wrote a book and then was able to shop that book for like a TV show. And so I'm wondering, like, is there a world where you write like a finance book and then like you... I don't know, sell it to CNBC and you get your own show. Like thinking about like that the expansion so of you. <laughs> no, that'd be so fun. I would love to do like a personal finance show on TV. Like, do you know Susie Orman and like Dave Ramsey? Yeah. And mm-hmm. like be like, you're, you did horribly with spending your money. <laughs> like that would be so fun. Like I hope I can do something like that. But I yeah, mean, I like about consume- influence. I was just going to yeah. say talk about influence. Like I never watched, it was it Susie Orman, right? Uh, yeah. Her show, but like, her name was mentioned so often in our house or like would oh, just really? be on the on the tv it's like i never watched it but i know she's the finance person yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i only know her because yeah. they make fun of her on like snl and the soup oh really was like, the Susie or- yeah it was like crystal Meg playing Susie orman oh <laughs> hilarious i have so no funny. clue who she is i never actually saw <laughs> She's a white woman with a Karen haircut, like the classic like, you know, Karen haircut. But she talks about money. She's really yeah, smart. She's you got to so look smart. at the SNL sketches. It's so fucking funny. Um, well, I have one last question for you, Bacola, and then I'll let Amari and Janae say what they want to say. But um, what are you currently looking at on TikTok and what trend do you wish would go away or topic? Oh, okay. So I'm, I don't know why I'm like, I've been really interested in the stay at home girlfriend content, right? I know it's like, I think I told you Kia, about it, but it, I, it's very like inflammatory. And it's just interesting to me because it's like, the way the girls will talk about their days, like they didn't do anything. She's like, Oh, I saw a butterfly. But people like real some people really love it. And I'm like, why do they like this content? Is it because like we're all overworked and we all hate our jobs? Like, you know what I mean? I don't hate my job, Google, don't fire me. <laughs> but we all hate our jobs, like, and we all want like a break. Is that why they they like that content? So that's the content that's been really interesting to me is like the stay-at-home girlfriend content. And why it's like right now it's going viral. I've yet to see You those. haven't Can seen you it? Oh my god. Time. I don't yeah. every time every time I watch it I'm like do I want this and then I'm yeah like, I just don't get why people are <laughs> so inflamed it, by it like I honestly I saw one and this girl was like yeah I made mm-hmm. my husband some coffee then I did the laundry then I vacuumed then I made my husband his second coffee and I'm like girl live your life this is not a life that I'm gonna live yeah. but if you want to be a stay at home oh, girlfriend that. if you want to live that soft life live that soft life yeah, so great for you I want to be soft exactly I be soft. like you know I'm, I'm not mad at it I used to <laughs> I used to be so, I think back like to when I was young and I'd be like, when girls would be like, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm like, don't you want mm-hmm. more for yourself? And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, why was I so harsh? Like, I would <laughs> Honestly, to like get yeah. into my <laughs> Really? I think about yeah. this all the time, actually. Really I had a really good friend when we were like 16, 18 years old. And me and my other friend were talking about like what we want to do, what jobs we want to have, how we're going to live in cities one day. And ah... It got quiet, and then my other friend was like, you know, I think I just want to be a mom one day. And we were like, how could you want that? That's it. What are you going to do if he leaves you? Like, we were such assholes about it. And I'm like, no, I'm like, that's not a bad thing to want to be a mom. Of course, have your ducks in a row. Have your little savings account on the side in case he fucks up. But 
other than that, mm-hmm. what's wrong with having a soft girl life? If he's cool with it, if you're cool yeah, with it, live your life. That's it. Exactly, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's interesting because you guys asked me what content don't I like, and I hate the manosphere. Because oh, God, I, yeah. I, I'm assuming the whatosphere? It's just like Andrew Tate. Yeah, like Andrew Tate. Like I know I'm assuming we're all feminists, like and but even we hear about the stay at home girlfriend, we're like, that sounds cool, but I don't know why these men are just like they're they're just so toxic. Yeah, like I saw like a a a feminist woman talking about the manosphere and how they were like making feminists seem like that they hated stay at home girlfriend content, which is like no one hates it. You know what I mean? Everyone's just like, wow, this actually seems like a relaxing lifestyle. So the content I I want to see go is manosphere. I also feel like people just equate like, like, like feminist with a bad word. And it's so funny to me because feminist literally means you believe in the equality of the genders. And if you don't, in my opinion, you're a piece of shit. But like, exactly. It's just crazy that people are like, she's a feminist. Like, is that supposed to be like a negative thing or like she's anti-men? Like, I just feel like anyone who says she's anti-men is like, full of shit like what yeah. does that even mean what does even that sound like like you just sound exactly. dumb as fuck when anyone says like she's anti-man man hating that's not a thing that's not a thing exactly i don't <laughs> think it's why it's really a thing yeah i like the manosphere that's the one thing i after like i only discovered it during 2020 like with kevin samuels right and now i just like i cannot stand it i think you, did you guys have someone a manosphere guy on your podcast or something oh hell no what oh i'm so sorry i thought you had someone i thought you had someone who no we we had a few guys that were like probably had people that 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 trickle into that area i mean we had like tahoe and he recently got big for saying stupid shit but like he didn't say any stupid shit on our show he didn't he was actually great on i wasn't there for that episode yeah mario was like i'm (laughs) opting out but he was actually quite great in understanding on our show it was like Anyway, um, yeah, but anyway. I feel like he just said that shit to get, like, viral. Like, I feel like he... I think that's what they do. Yeah. But it, 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 like, some people, they, some people are saying it to just go viral, but some people are really, like, taking it in, and that's, like, impacting the way they're going to treat women and the way they're going to date and all these things, and it's just, like, really toxic. I also scary, think that TikTok is part of the problem, though. I mean, I love TikTok, mm-hmm. but TikTok really is separating us. TikTok's creating like these mini Mm. echo chambers of people that all have the same thoughts and we're just living in these spaces like my TikTok algorithm is full of black women talking about terrible dating experiences and while it's true that a Mm. lot of black women have had terrible dating experiences that only fills you with more of are there any good dating experiences you know it only fills you with thoughts of Mm -hmm. damn are men really shitty and then you compile that with your friend's stories, your own personal stories, and then you're going outside like, damn, men are shit. You know what I mean? And Kia, we've talked yeah. about this with your boyfriend's TikTok feed versus your TikTok feed. TikTok, I think, was purposely put here to be divisive and to further distract us from the real things going on. Like, I don't know, China and Russia stockpiling gold. But, you know, let's not get too political i mean you could honestly just say it's not just ticked it's the it's the way social media was set up in 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 general we saw it like play out with like a facebook and the election right and and twitter right so it's just it's just like but they were also meant they're doing what they were created to do though you know i just feel like Like, tiktok's more powerful if it if that makes sense 
it feels like TikTok more than any other app like sucks you in and holds you where like Instagram and Facebook I never found myself enjoying myself as much on those apps as I do on TikTok like TikTok I'm kikiing it just depends on the but it depends though right because it's like whereas like we might not find Facebook as engaging there's a whole age group of folks that are like our parents, our parents, our parents, our parents that are like, I saw on Facebook yeah. and I'm like, I haven't been on Facebook in six yeah. years. Like what? Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. they're on like Instagram. And like, is this a real or a TikTok? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very true. Very true. Very true. Yeah. But no, TikTok, I think TikTok's algorithm is like the most powerful algorithm, maybe for like our brains, Janae, like. But for me, it's, like, one of the few ones that really takes mm-hmm. my attention. Nikia knows that, like, I have, like, my locks on there and, like, I'm fighting my TikTok addiction only doing 30 minutes Girl. a day because it really sucks me in and it, it knows, like, all of my fears and everything. <laughs> so, like, randomly, like, like you know, if I'm feeling a certain type of way, like, I'll just see a, a Black woman, like, exactly on TikTok talking about, like, how I'm feeling or, like, you know what I mean? It's just so it's weird. It's so weird. Like the algorithm it is so powerful. It knows yeah. who you are. Like I swear to God, exactly. TikTok knows that I am a plus size black woman who is single, living in a big city. Like TikTok knows all of these things about me where I don't think other mm-hmm. apps knew these things. Like maybe they did, yeah. but they didn't say it aloud. And TikTok is yelling in my face, bitch, I know who you are. It's scary. Exactly. It's scary. Yeah. And at least with YouTube, like, I mean, shorts is different, but you had the choice to decide what you, mm-hmm. you hear. Like TikTok, the fact that that choice is taken away from you, I also kind of don't like, you know, because if I saw a, a title that was like, gonna, I know it was going to make yeah. me like, upset, I wouldn't yeah. even bother. But now I'm forced to watch the videos. So it's, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, Cola, is there anything you want to plug? Oh, I'm going to plug myself. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So, yeah, you can follow me on YouTube at Bacola. Let me just make sure that's the right name because I go by two different names. You don't know your name, girl. (laughs) Okay. YouTube slash. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, my God. Because I do. It's Bacola. It's Bacola.dev or Bacola. So I just want to get the right one. Okay, yes. On on YouTube, it's Bacola1 at Bacola1, right? On Instagram, (laughs) it's. Uh, dev <laughs> and on TikTok, it's Vakola.dev. <laughs> Girl, why don't you have the same one on all three? I should, I should, but there's... <laughs> yeah, I know, but there are so many Vakolas in Nigeria, and they That's all took true. it. They took everything. They, um, can you put American Vakola? I know, Vakola <laughs> in the U.S. or something. Yeah. I feel yeah, like you I should do know. that. Yeah, I so, definitely yeah. should, because it makes it, it harder for people to find me, so I should definitely, I should get, get on that. <laughs> Are you the most popular Bacola in the U.S.? Um, I don't think so. Oh, damn. Let me see, actually. Let me see. Bacola's yeah. from Nigeria. Nigerian queen. Uh, Janae, who <laughs> always talks about her Nigerian ancestry on this podcast. <laughs> Ow. Now she's Now she's quiet when we have an actual Nigerian. I'm quiet. <laughs> I'm quiet. You're okay. Nigerian. Everyone here is Nigerian. It's true. I am it's true, though. 40% I am. I did ancestry. Did ancestry.com. It was pretty high. <laughs> My, now it's now it's battling between Nigeria and Cameroon, so I don't know. Oh, oh they're fighting. They're fighting, but they're both about twenty five percent each. So 
it was 40%, then it shot down to 40, 25, but I'm still going to claim Nigeria, so. I'm claiming it, too. I'm claiming Nigeria and Ghana. That's who I'm claiming. Those are my two. Okay, well, does anyone have any other questions for Bacola? No, I just enjoyed this yeah, conversation. Yeah, this was nice. Thanks, Thank you for having Bacola. me on. Of course. We'll put all your links in the bio so everyone follow her. All of her different many <laughs> links. Bacola one. You know what she looks like on if you look at the video, whatever. Well, thanks y'all so much for tuning into this week's episode. You can talk to us on social media at sufficientlyblk. Email us at sufficientlyblackpodcast at gmail with any questions or feedback. And you can also listen to us anywhere you get podcasts. And don't forget to follow us so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Until next time.